0: Welcome to Ikigai Intelligence, a podcast series at the intersection of emotional intelligence, purpose-driven change management, and strengths-based positive psychology. I'm Sam Yushio.
1: And I'm Josina Garnham. And today we're talking about the last quadrant of the emotional intelligence model, um, relationship management. And... Um, This one is particularly important uh, because of the fact that it really is where all the other dimensions—your self-awareness, your self-management, and your social awareness—come together. Uh, So it's really quite a comprehensive um, dimension of emotional intelligence. It's where we see qualities of leadership, um, being a great team member, uh, effectively managing conflict. I mean, these really huge topics all coming together. Um, So. I'm excited that we'll get a chance to explore uh, some of those dimensions or some of those aspects uh, of this dimension today. Um, to start off our conversation, Sam, I, I want to um, I'm going to invite you to uh, just think a little bit about a, a leader that you know personally, um, someone that you think of as really exceptional. So, if you, you're willing to kind of play along with me here, yeah.
0: All yeah, right. Great. Absolutely.
1: So I'm thinking of someone that that I know. And what I want to invite you to do is, you know, even just take a moment or so um, as you're calling this person to mind, again, that really exceptional leader. Just share with me a couple different words that you would use to describe the person. What what makes them exceptional?
0: Hmm. Uh, so a couple of things come to mind. First is um, authentic authenticity. Empathy, uh, courage, uh, high communication. And probably the last one would be uh, relatability.
1: Mm. Yeah, great. Thank you. Right. So the person you're thinking of is authentic, have, has a high degree of empathy, courageous, um, an effective communicator, um, and then ultimately has, has a degree of relatability, kind of that ability to develop rapport. Um, is that, is that accurate?
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
1: I would add, you know, as I think about, um, the leader that I have in mind, um, you know, the person was caring, they're really focused on my development as a professional, um, And served as kind of a a sponsor. Um, So let me try out things that maybe, um, in some ways, maybe I wasn't ready for. um, But again, really focused on on my development, um, kind of my career pathing. Uh, So I would summarize that in a couple of words, uh, you know, just growth-oriented and Mm. and caring. Um, So... You know, through our just a quick conversation, we've we've developed an interesting little pool of data, um, and I oftentimes have this conversation with folks as I'm doing uh, a workshop on emotional intelligence. And you know, normally it's in a larger room or collecting a lot of uh, call it data, um, and and then what we what we do is look at you know which of these different characteristics might fall within the realm of emotional intelligence. So, based on our conversations over the last couple of weeks, you know, the qualities that you shared, the qualities that I shared, which of them do you think might fit into some of those domains of emotional intelligence?
0: Uh, well, all of them, right? I mean, I think um, they all fit. Um, so, I mean, in the form in which I receive them, it's, it's largely relationship management, this last, last quadrant. But if I look through the lens of the person... Um, you know, I, it, it likely goes back to the first quadrant of, of self-awareness, right? I mean, when I think of this person, um, they were always very aware of the, the, the responsibility that they had as a leader. And even in moments where in hindsight, this, it's been, it's been, um, over a a decade uh, since I've engaged with this leader, but it's still very um, clear Mm -hmm. um, that there were moments where he was very um, conscious of the impact that he was having on not only the people who reported to him, but also to others within the organization. He was always very mindful uh, and Mm -hmm. intentional of how he engaged uh, with everyone,
1: yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You shared that. I, I would feel I feel the same way about the leader that I had in mind, um, mm-hmm. treating you know colleagues, uh, his staff, and importantly our clients with that same degree of, of care. Um, that was something that stood out for me. Um, yeah, so you're saying you know all of the different qualities that you just shared. Authenticity, empathy, courage, effective communication, relatability, mine adding caring and, and you know, developing, focused on developing the other person, um, all fall within those domains of emotional intelligence. And I, and I would agree with you completely. Um, you know, having had this conversation with lots of different people over the last few years, um, I can kind of or objectively say that the majority of folks do generate things that fall under emotional intelligence, right? It's usually 80, 90% of the characteristics that we generate every once in a while. We'll hear strategic or analytical, and those are important qualities for leaders to have as well. But ultimately Mm -hmm. it's, you know, these um, aspects of the interpersonal skills that really are the difference maker um, for, for leaders, and um, I think you know if that if that helps to build uh, again kind of the why behind this particular conversation, um, certainly that that's been an experience that's true for both of us, and and hopefully for folks who are listening to this podcast too. You know, inviting each of you to think about what were what were some of the characteristics you describe um, that exceptional leader, and where do you see them within yourself? Um, mm-hmm. Which are the the areas that are kind of your Emotional intelligence strengths when it comes to leading or being an effective team member um, that you want to to have shine through.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that you bring up strategic and analytical because I think oftentimes we always we when we don't think of a lived experience with an actual leader that we've engaged with, um, oftentimes the the frame or the definition of leadership has a tendency to drift over into this um more strategic visionary, quantitative oriented, less qualitative um, you know, type of type of leader. So it's the contrast between those two worlds is is a is an interesting insight.
1: Yeah. Well and as you're sharing that, I'm also thinking when we think about a leader, right? Um one of the things that they are given or in some instances take um, is power and influence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we think about um, leaders that wield power and their power and influence with a high degree of emotional intelligence, wow, you know, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty important and, and pretty impactful. Um, and, and likewise, same is true for those that are lacking <laughs> emotional intelligence. Uh, you know, then you're getting kind of that in terms of motivation, the carrot versus the stick. Um you know, in, in terms of how you're uh, enrolling people to be a part of your team or organization.
0: Right. Yep. Um, so the framework that we use for these conversations is, you know, what is the topic? Why is the topic important? And then a, an actionable step that you can take. Um, so we're we're talking a bit about a little bit about both what is it and and why is it important, but can you add some more context on just relationship management um, if for for leadership and being an effective leader of a of a of a high performing team, and then maybe contrast that with a non high performing team. Like, how does leadership and emotional intelligence play a role in bringing out the best uh, within a team that's doing operating at, uh, at a very high degree versus those that are aspiring to get there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Right. So um, when we think about leadership, um, and, and folks leading with emotional intelligence, um, I guess, uh, for let, well, let's first start with those high-performing teams, right? You know, first of all, I come from the assumption that leadership isn't, it is both a position, right? You can be a CEO or a team leader or whatever. Um, And it really is about leadership behaviors and actions that everyone can take, right? Um, And when I say leadership behaviors, that really does include anything that's related to emotional intelligence. So in a given moment, if I'm a team member, I can choose to, you know, recognize when maybe a colleague uh, has shared an idea that uh, was ignored. And I can say, gosh, you know, I'd love to circle back to so-and-so's idea. Mm. Uh, I'm helping to support them. I'm helping to build Perhaps a sense of psychological safety, um, and that is a moment where I'm stepping in, you know, to show a, a leadership behavior, even if I'm not the, the team lead. Um, so when we think about again leadership of a high-performing team, um, recognizing that it's it's not a static, like a one and done, <laughs> right? right? It's a dynamic process. Um, you know, even with high-performing teams, we need to spend time and intentional attention um on on those relationships. Um, Otherwise, you know, they're they're going to suffer at some point in time. Um, I think one of the things that I see in my coaching and consulting work often uh, with teams that are both high performing as well as those that maybe are aspiring to be high performing. is this sense of, of norms, you know, either Hmm. spoken or unspoken. Um, what, what are the agreements that we have, uh, with how we want to be with each other? And, um, you know, oftentimes teams that are maybe struggling a little bit, um, they perhaps don't have clear norms in place and and norms are agreements, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and it can be everything from the tactical side of here's how frequently we meet, here's how our meetings are organized, things like that, to like when things get difficult, here's how we're going to handle conflict. Here's how we're going to celebrate our successes. Mm-hmm. Um, here's how we're going to encourage each other to, you know, be those voices of dissent. Um, here's Here are some playful ways that we can help hold each, co- each other accountable. Um, so that's what I mean by by norms. Um, so those, those, you know, are one and done in terms of like, or they're, they're not really one and done, but you create them Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then it's important to continue to revisit them.
0: Yeah. With the groups that you've worked with, is there an example that comes to mind of a norm that really influenced the culture of the team?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, oftentimes, honestly, I, I work with a lot of teams that don't have norms in place. And so, working mm-hmm. with them to um, cultivate that, um, I would say some examples of, of teams that I have worked with that, you know, or have been a part of where we have norms um, might include like how we um, kind of try out, test out different assumptions. Um, in the in efforts to kind of continue being creative and innovative right we make it you know quote-unquote safe to explore and kind of test out like okay let's try this out let's figure out if this this would work um you know kind of set up some some safe trials as it were Mm -hmm. and um and go from there um so that's just maybe one one quick example
0: yeah i love it i mean as you were describing that there was a group that came to mind in a, in a past life of mine, but this leader would, um, always, I don't know if it was daily. I think it was daily. She would always bring her team down to the Starbucks, um, and buy everyone Starbucks. And it, if it wasn't daily, it was very frequent. Uh, and it, there was just this norm that was built that she was going to buy everyone Starbucks at like two thirty every single day. And so every time if I happened to be at that Starbucks in that, in the building, um, Doing a meeting, I'd always see the entire team come through. So it was just like this opportunity for everyone to pause, hit the pause, and whatever they're working on, come together and have a you know a personal conversation, like kind of disconnect from um, what they were focused on. But it was it was uh, it was very unique, and I mm-hmm. think the uh, team that she had created. Uh, or the, or the culture that she had created within that team was especially uh, especially special
1: hmm I, I love what you're saying um, and I, I agree completely I think having those uh, more informal norms are right. so important um, and you're you're reminding me of um, a team I've been involved with that really puts some more thoughtful um, kind of intention behind how we how you celebrate particularly birthdays and other key events, Mm. um, you know, really recognizing what, what that one individual would want. And it's not, you know, the, okay, circle around the birthday card and check the (laughs) box. Right. And, and, and we've done everything from, you know, organized dances, uh, to, you know, brunches. Um, and so that, that's been, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Love it. More on the whys or more on why just relationship management is important, maybe through the through the leadership lens, like with the leaders who are trying to institute more cultural or more norms within the culture of their team. Um, can you just extend on that a bit?
1: Yeah, sure. Right. And so I guess I'd love to kind of circle back to this idea of power and influence and mm. think about that um, in with the idea of emotional contagion, um, so emotional contagion, right? Humans uh, have the ability to spread emotions, both positively mm-hmm. and negatively. Um, we literally have structures in our brains that are called mirror, mirror neurons. I think we may have touched on this earlier. Um, that are designed. They're they're built for empathy. They're built to uh, connect with other humans. And so the way we see that in, in action is, you know, if you are smiling and laughing, it's likely that I'll be smiling and laughing. I think we we played with that a little bit uh, the we last did. time. I, yeah. I had
0: the same response last time. It made <laughs> nice. me smile and laugh.
1: There you go. <laughs> um, and so when we think about that in the context of leadership and also teams, um, you know, leaders are are in a position where people are paying attention to them more um, people are are queuing into the behaviors and actions the words of of the leader and so they are then empowered just a little bit more um to to spread emotional contagion just that much more right mm-hmm. so you know if a team member comes in to a, a meeting feeling upset and um, that can spread. But I tell you what, if a team leader comes in, (laughs) uh, feeling upset that that's noticed even more. Um, so, you know, what that really ties back into, right, is, is this notion of self-awareness and self-management. You know, when we know that, um, Either as leaders or just humans, uh, we have this potential for emotional contagion. It's a requirement and, a, and an invitation, really, to practice that sense of self-awareness and self-management, um, really mo- moment by moment. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think you know that becomes even more important. Uh, in, the, in these situations where emotional intelligence is, is needed, right? Uh, again, sometimes this happens at the leadership level, key decision-making conversations, uh, moments where people feel like they're in conflict, um, you know, trying to work through difficult and complex problems, uh, just as, as some examples.
0: How about the, the balancing act between authenticity and emotional contagion? And and maybe reflection like that cycle like if 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 a leader comes storming into leaves one meeting that's emotionally charged goes into the next meeting doesn't have that opportunity to pause and recalibrate and brings the last meeting into the new meeting um, can you just break that down a bit like we want to acknowledge the emotion we don't don't want to discard the emotion. Um, but also we have a responsibility as a leader to ground those emotions because we have this emotional contagion, et cetera. Can you, can you unpack that a bit?
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's so challenging for, for any person, you know, you have an experience that's emotionally charged and that is you being your authentic self is like, gosh, I feel flustered. I feel upset. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know how much of that do I want to convey to others? Um, and I, I think you know it's a, it's a delicate it's a delicate balance. And wherever we can be in a little bit more of that place of choice and intention, um, we have a lot more kind of paints to choose from, like, right. I can mix these different colors across my, let's say, emotional paint palette and choose how I want to, to show up. What, what emotion do I want to bring in this situation? With that said, there's plenty of situations where, you know, leaders, people don't want to show up as automatons. Right. right. Um, right. There right. was a really powerful video that was shared um, during the pandemic with, um, I'm forgetting the name of I think it's Arne Sorensen who's the CEO he was the former CEO of Marriott and mm. he actually was um living through a cancer diagnosis he has actually since passed from uh, cancer um but you know he, here he was showing up um bald from having undergone chemotherapy and just painting a clear picture of like we're ha- experiencing hard times and, and demonstrating it with a high degree of empathy, um, yeah. you know, demonstrating kind of an appropriate amount of emotion um, so that it felt like you were really connecting with him, even if, you know, you've never met, met the guy. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's um, an interesting example to, to look at of just showing up authentically. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to, silver lining this. Um, this is difficult. We're letting people go, um, because, you know, we don't have customers and he didn't talk about his own struggles, but, uh, the way he chose to show up was, um, clearly demonstrating, you know, what he was going through himself.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I guess it's that, that emotion and cognition drives behavior thing. So, uh, you know, if, if, if you, embrace the emotion you acknowledge the emotion you have the cognition through the self-management lens right to Mm -hmm. actually like kind of process it you can still honor that emotion and articulate that emotion without in an authentic way without the without the the actions that
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that Uh, align or misalign with the, 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 the definition of that emotion. Like, so if I am sad and I'm worried because COVID just shut down the world and I have to get in front of my team, Mm -hmm. um, having that ability to understand that emotion, embrace that emotion, process it, and then convey that is different than letting that raw emotion come through and just completely overwhelm the entire meeting
1: right right you're not necessarily coming in super frazzled stressed crying whatever else uh sadness and anxiety however else those might show up for you but rather right there is a, a sense of um the word that's coming to my mind is containment, but not in a way that's like containing it and putting it aside right. uh, in an unhealthy manner. But like, okay, I've, I'm have i observing that I'm experiencing this quite intense emotion. Maybe it's a whole mix of emotions. We want people to be with those, right? Yeah. We are emotional humans. And, and emotional intelligence is we're using the information of the emotions we experience to um, inform how we want to act, and so I'm using this emotion and, and recognizing this is what I'm experiencing. I'm wondering what others might be experiencing, uh, you know, mm. given this news or this context or what have you. And you know, from there, we're we're having a conversation about either what's next or you know how are we processing through, particularly you know, using this example of COVID. I mean, that's. Each person is experiencing the pandemic in a different way, um, and yet, certainly, undeniably, it's challenging for everybody.
0: Right. Um, right.
1: So, yeah, recognizing that, naming it, I think, is really important, and then, you know, continuing to think about what, well, and now, what, you know, what can we do as a team, as an organization, given this emotional context.
0: Can you, can you connect, you, so you touched on this just a little bit of uh, the concept of psychological safety, but can you connect what we're talking about to um, building a, a foundation of psychological safety?
1: Yeah, sure. Teams? Yeah, I mean, this is something that um, was an area of interest of mine, but I feel like it's surfacing even more in the last uh, few years, um, and particularly, you know, very much so related to our uh, reckoning with racial issues. Right, you know, when people aren't feeling safe to show up as their authentic selves, um, you know, ultimately our our organizations and our society are are suffering. And so, in terms of psychological safety and emotional intelligence, really direct correlations. Um, and a lot of the uh, research on psychological safety has has um, come out of a woman named Amy Edmondson at Harvard Business uh, School. And it's, it became popularized actually through some research that Google was doing. Um, and about 10 years ago now they were trying to, uh, assess, can we put together a perfect team? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. we've got some really smart people across our enterprise, across the globe. Can we kind of engineer the perfect team? That was their, their question. And they actually, um assessed I think about 200 teams across the enterprise looking at you know is it is it the who on the team like can we get all the smartest people in the room and make this great team
0: hmm. and what
1: they found actually is well, it wasn't the who but rather the how um, that the teams that actually set norms um, that had clear goals and roles um, and at the very top of this kind of list was demonstrated psychological safety. Those are the ones that are most effective. And so in fact, the ones that had all the quote unquote smartest people in the room, they were not necessarily always that effective. Lots of Mm. of egos as one might imagine. Um, So when you have this uh, kind of container where again, psychological safety can thrive, um, it, it allows for high team performance. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, teams, organizations, our society is, is looking for that, uh, both in the for-profit and uh, service sectors. Right,
0: right. Yeah, I mean, I, so I see a direct link with strengths, right? So strengths kind of creates this language that establishes some form of norms where um, when we can use a universal language to describe, Um, each other uh, and kind of amplify the strengths amplify the innate talents that we bring or the others are bringing, it establishes some form of, of a norm in terms of team communication. Mm -hmm. So uh, how about ideas for implementation? If I'm listening to this, uh, what can I do to be more effective in, in uh, relationship management?
1: Yeah, gosh, and it's so many different things, right?
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> um so. when we think about if we'll just stay with this track of, of teams, um and, and psychological safety, right? You know, when we think about what what does psychological safety even mean, um, it is a feeling that I experience that I feel safe, right? It is not something I can force upon some somebody. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes when there is a high degree, if, you know, a, a, a whole bunch of people are all experiencing a high degree of psychological safety, that is something that is felt as a shared understanding, right? And again, um, you know, like we talked about with uh, emotional intelligence, it, it's it's not a one and done. It needs to be continually attended to. Um, we don't say, okay, great, we've got psychological safety all set. Right. Um, it, it will fluctuate. You know, and and as I have thought about it in my own experience, I've thought, well, gosh, you know, generally speaking on Team X, I feel like I've got a high amount of psychological safety. And yet here are moments here or there where maybe I've tried to speak up and share an idea and it was ignored. So I have, you know, okay, well, that was interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Do I want to do something about that? You know, maybe, maybe not, depending on uh, the situation. Um, so just recognizing that really it can change uh, depending on on the context. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of what, what you can do as an individual, as a team member, as a team leader, to help cultivate a sense of psychological safety, which is cultivating emotional intelligence, it's encouraging other people to speak up um, when perhaps a colleague shares an idea that maybe was overlooked or ignored, or perhaps you have a colleague who maybe is more introverted. Um, you invite people to share their own inputs in a written format, right? Ways thinking about different ways to get uh, all the voices heard equally and equitably rather than just letting, you know, whoever feels most comfortable is most uh, extroverted uh, dominate a conversation. Um, it's having a, a collaborative mindset. Right, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to work only in my silo. Um, I want to be mindful of my role, but in what ways can I share what I know and what I have with with my team members? Um, it's developing a, a willingness to experiment and try try new things, um, and designing them in such a way that you expect things to fail, and and making that like, hooray! <laughs> right, what do we learn yeah. from this this you know exper- experiment That's that's okay. Uh, that's yeah. the purpose of it. And then of course, taking time to reflect. So those are some of the four, uh, the four key aspects of working as a, a, effective team, which again, I think ties nicely in with some of the emotional intelligence practices. So encouraging people to speak up, collaborate, experiment, and, um, reflect.
0: So are those pillars, if I'm a leader of a team, are those pillars that, um, If I'm starting a team, because I don't think any team starts with this, with any psychological safety, it's something that has to be built and kind of reinforced and cultivated over time. Are those the four pillars that I should focus on for psychological safety and team emotional intelligence? Those are the four keys.
1: Yeah, I think those would be great starting points. And and in terms of like a, a team that's launching, you know, to have a conversation about well designing for let's get to know each other <laughs> yeah. let's get to know each other uh, through our work styles what are our strengths um to your point earlier having a common vocabulary through an assessment like um, gallup strengths finder uh, can be really powerful like oh okay great you know here i see that you're really high in woo you're an activator great mm-hmm. here's where maybe we have some overlap here's where Gosh, this is going to be so great. We'll complement each other because we have different strengths, Um, and so having a clear understanding about what each person is bringing to the team is so valuable. um, And and a great connector. Uh, You know, people need those uh, that rapport to be built, both you know, in a professional setting as well as you know. Let me know a little bit about what what you enjoy doing outside of work. I don't right. need to know your whole personal life. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. Where, you know, where else do you get your energy aside from uh, your, your job?
0: Yeah. So I know you have a background in experiential leadership or experiential learning, experiential leadership, like down at a tactical level, are there tactics that you've deployed or you've used with others that really just open up that, that um, foundation, that platform for building that entry point into psychological safety.
1: Yeah, lots of different things, of course. Um, you know, lots of different exercises, activities. But here's one that I, I enjoy um, doing with groups, and uh, even with some of my individual coaching uh, clients. Um, just making a, a four square box on a piece of paper, and this could be on, uh, you know, regular eight and a half by eleven, or a larger flip chart paper, uh, if you're in person. Make a PowerPoint slide and um, utilize this as a tool for introducing yourself um, with each of the four box um, representing a different aspect of yourself. Perhaps if you're using Gallup, you here are my top five strengths illustrated. So no words allowed. <clears throat> hmm. Here's, you know, here's what my woo looks like <laughs> as mm-hmm. a little stick figure. Here's what my activator might look like as, you know, symbols or images of some sort. Um, so perhaps looking at sharing your strengths, um, maybe your values. What's, you know, what what motivates you? Where do you find, you know, kind of purpose in your work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, moving down to the other quadrant, like, again what what's something you enjoy doing outside of work maybe drawn a little picture there and then the the fourth quadrant could be something else uh, related to the project what what are you excited about or what are you excited about with the team or mm-hmm. something along those lines um, and obviously you can customize those four blocks in whatever way you know makes the most sense but uh, it can be a fun and playful way for folks to get quickly engaged with the team and uh, kind of tapping into um, some right brain energy uh, yeah. as well. I love so it. That's a fun one. Yeah, yeah. I love it. There's endless <laughs> things yeah. that one one can do both in person and uh, virtually.
0: Uh, okay, so anything else as we wrap up the relationship management topic?
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of other places to put some focus and attention, you know, I, I would. I, I, for both of us, <laughs> and, and invitations mm-hmm. for both of us, right? This is continual practice and invitations for all of our listeners. Go back and think about the, your self-awareness and self-management pieces as well as the social awareness. Um, you know, what are the areas that, that um, you know, continue to be strengths for you? What are places that you might experience some triggers? Um, you know, I know for many people and myself included, I don't always love being in uh, situations that involve some conflict, and so I know that I need to kind of uh, gear myself up a little bit more to really practice emotional intelligence and and maintain you know a sense of assertiveness in, in many instances. Um, so you know, go back and and look at what are those places that um, again are those strengths or or potential development areas, and um, think about putting some intention behind the the developmental spaces. Mm. Um, with the, the um, intent of, you know, being able to show up a little bit differently in those, in those relationships.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay, so uh, this is the final quadrant, the fourth quadrant in uh, the four quadrant structure of uh, emotional intelligence. So Jocina, can you maybe just give us a recap on the four quadrants uh, as we bring this to a close?
1: Yeah, definitely. Right. So, um, you know, if we think about the model, we we've got self awareness and uh, self management as things that happen a bit more internally um, and kind of the left half of the model, and then we've got social awareness and relationship management, which happen more in the external environment. It's how we, you know, show up in the world. Um, and so, you know, I, I just have appreciated our conversation over the last couple of weeks. Um, and so I just would love to, you know, quickly talk about maybe one practice um, mm-hmm. that's a, a place of focus for me, and maybe you want to share a place of focus for for you, um, for each of these different dimensions. Um, but when I think about the self-awareness um, dimension, it's really around uh, paying attention, right? Right. Um, feeling when you might be experiencing uh, an emotional situation. I was in a meeting not too long ago, I was actually facilitating something not too long ago and and somebody made a comment and it made me feel a little bit triggered. And I noticed this like um, kind of upset in my stomach and my heart felt a little, heart rate felt a little bit fast. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to use this information to just slow things down and re- You know, refocus um, so that I can you know continue to move forward. I'll I'll leave this feeling of a little bit of flustered, (laughs) feeling like Mm -hmm. I got maybe thrown off for a moment. I'm gonna set that aside and and carry forward so that paying attention to the physiological cues, um, paying attention to the emotional vocabulary that we're using, where we might see some nuances in the emotions we experience, and again, uh, moving down to the self-management, using that information. To you know, as I was just mentioning, kind of pause for that moment. Okay, whew, now what's next? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how do I want to? How do I want to be right now in this moment? Because it might be different than how I want to be in the moment that just passed. Um, and then thinking about social awareness when we start to uh, interact with other people, employing that sense of empathy. You know, looking looking to seek for uh, understanding. Um, checking the assumptions that I might be making as I'm going into a conversation, Um, you know, trying my best to inquire about uh, their, their perspective. Uh, And then lastly, coming into the relationship management side, you know, using all those dimensions to show up as a great team member or as a team leader, um, you know, effectively navigating uh, difficult conversations with, you know, that, that sense of paying attention to yourself, um, paying attention to uh, to the other person, the other party that you're maybe having a disagreement with. Um, so that's where that all, all comes together in that relationship management quadrant.
0: Yeah, that was a great recap. Um, and I've enjoyed these conversations. I've walked away learning uh, every single conversation that we have. I have glimpses of these conversations throughout my day-to-day, so I've, I've definitely benefited from this, and I appreciate uh, you taking some time to share your wisdom and your knowledge. And with that, we'll bring this series to a close.
1: Well, thanks so much for the opportunity, Sam. It's been really uh, a lot of fun to speak with you.